Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our 18th True Crime Digest update. We've had a lot. We've had quite a few. In the beginning, we were like, we're going to do these every month. And then we were like, maybe not. Maybe we'll do these here and there because there's just not that many case updates all of the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, things going through like the court systems take forever, right? Yeah. But if you haven't listened to one of our True Crime Digest episodes, just real quick, here's what they are. (laughs) They're a, a space for us to give updates on cases we've already covered. And sometimes it's on full cases, sometimes it's on like topics, and we'll just kind of give some updates on what's going on. If there's not an update or it's not ripe for discussion yet, then we'll wait on it. We'll also cover some cases that are either new or there's new information coming out about them. Typically, we have at least one. We have a, a very interesting one today, I think. But other than that, let's just get right on into them. Yeah. So the first thing we want to discuss is some of the missing persons cases that we've been talking about for a while. The first one, it's actually good news. And 13-year-old Donastasia Hooper, who went missing in Chicago, has been found. Love this. Love it. So happy. So that's good news. We're very, very happy that she's been found. However, unfortunately, a few other people that we discussed also in our True Crime Digest 17 episode have not been found. And that is Taylor Johnson and Kimberly Avila. We've included their missing persons flyers in our show notes and on social media. So if you guys want to quickly share those again. Let's get their information out there. It's always extra heartbreaking the longer it goes when someone's missing. Yes. Speaking of someone who's been missing for a long time, Daniel Robinson out of Arizona is still missing. We have had a standalone episode about him and we have provided updates about him in our True Crime Digest for a while now, but there still isn't a lot of information as to leads or really anything. But his dad is still very active on social media. There have been other interviews that are being shared a little bit more. So that's good. Um, and they still have the uh, website dedicated to him as well. We'll include the website in our show notes. On there right now, one of the things that his father, David, has added is there's a section where you can print out letters to send to the Buckeye Police Department so that this way they'll continue to look for him and not mark him as a cold case. Yes. So he's asking that people print these letters and send them as often as they can. So should you have a printer and some extra time, I'm sure he would very much appreciate that. Agreed. Agreed. And just quickly, the the website is pleasehelpfinddaniel.com. So if you haven't been there yet, check it out. It has a lot of information. So let's move on to an update about a spooky place that we've discussed. And that's the Cecil Hotel in California. There are reports that someone was starting fires within one of the rooms of the hotel after they got in an argument with someone. And from what we could see, this was in the fall of 2023, so a few months ago. The fire luckily was relatively minor and was extinguished by a sprinkler system. We had reported a bit ago that the hotel had been turned into affordable housing, and they are reporting that the property is not being maintained. Heartbreaking. Yeah, very sad that they're not maintaining it, but we kind of knew that in the back of our head, right? Like they're not going to take care of people that need it. So specifically, though, what's happening there is there's mold in the rooms. The elevators are not functioning routinely. 
which I guess that's been a very long time, though, too, that they've had elevator issues. The trash is building up in the hallways. There's mice and roach infestations. There's broken glass. And then in some of the rooms, there's serious leaks in the ceiling. So very, very sad. I, I wish that they would spend more on this building. Tenants are also reporting that they have been assaulted by other tenants or their guests. So they don't have, I guess, like the proper security anymore either. A while back, I had seen a few pictures from people that live kind of in the area saying like it was hard to get in because, you know, a lot of people still want to like ghost hunt and figure out the Alyssa Lamb stuff. But now it just seems like a lot of people are like walking in. Look at the pictures that are in there. And when you look at the pictures that are in there, it is very clear that the building isn't being maintained. Correct. Correct. And that's also going for like the communal bathrooms. So they've been just like very dirty and even clogged. They're just not doing anything for this poor building. Some people even say they're like, I don't even bother with the bathrooms on my floor. I go to the other floors because mine are always disgusting. And I'm like, ugh. Very sad because that building does have a lot of history. Not all good history, obviously, but it was gorgeous when it first opened. It really was. And it very soon became not just a gorgeous building. That episode, I think, was interesting. It's been a minute since we did it. But talking about the history and like all the things that have happened there, I thought was one of our it was one of our Hearst hotels, right? That we did. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Been a minute. And, and since so many, so many haunted spooky places. So moving on. We do have a quick new case for you, and that's a case out of Jackson, Mississippi. In late 2023, we learned that there is a graveyard that contains hundreds of bodies in Jackson, Mississippi. However, it's not a standard graveyard. It's outside a prison. And sadly, 215 of these bodies, the people's families were never notified that they passed. And that's based on coroner's records since 2016. So 215 people who passed away, their families were never notified. That's an insane number of people. That's horrific. Yeah. And then even worse, the cemetery is just not what you think a cemetery should be, right? Sadly, people that have visited the cemetery have said that the bodies are buried in shallow graves. They're within black bags and there's a stench in the area. That is just, it sounds awful, right? When you think of a cemetery, it's certainly not what you think of. Before recording, Amanda was like, oh, that's not what they're like here. And I'm like, Mm -mm. that's not surprising. I would imagine that they change jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And it's worth noting that this particular cemetery is behind a correctional facility. Right. And I would imagine that that is part of the reason why it looks like this and is run like this. Yeah. So like I said, many of the families of the dead were never notified. So they had no idea that their loved one was just like buried here. Yeah. Melissa Faith Payne, who is the city's director of communication, confirmed that the bodies were buried in a pauper's graveyard. And so I want to explain for those that don't know, that's when the government buries and pays for a burial. And Payne went on to say that it was not like a secret burial ground. Rather, there are unhoused inmates from local jails who died whose relatives had not claimed their bodies, unidentified deceased people, or people that just couldn't afford a burial buried there. So very sad. Just the thought of like unclaimed bodies happening now still. Yes. It shouldn't blow my mind, but it still does. Like I said, we have one that's not terribly far from me. And when we visited it, we had gone off of just like a paranormal group saying like, this is a hot spot. And when I walked in, my heart was just sad because it's just like a named person 
Yeah. And, you know, like the date that they died and that's it. You don't know anything about them and they're just buried. So this one just sounds horrific because at least the one by me was, I don't know, more well kept. Yeah. And I know that when we talk about like unclaimed deceased or unidentified deceased people, sometimes it's one or the other, right? It's like they aren't claimed because nobody knows who they are. And what's really hard here is when you're hearing this list, right? Unhoused people inmates from local jails whose families didn't claim their bodies, unidentified deceased people, and people who couldn't afford a burial. We're going to talk about three instances from this 215 that we know about so far where none of these apply. Yeah. And it's incredibly frustrating because it was just such a massive fuck up. Exactly. And it's confusing on how you could even fuck up in this way. Agreed. And I think that part of it has to do with how, honestly, just fucking bad police departments are at finding missing people and keeping their family updated. Yes. So we're going to talk about the three different men who were buried there whose families weren't notified. And the first that we're going to talk about is Dexter Wade. In March of 2023, Betterstein Wade filed a missing persons report for her 37-year-old son, Dexter. And the last time she had seen him was on March 5th, and the two of them had gotten into an argument. And afterwards, he went out with a friend. And so, you know, sometimes you argue with your parents. Of course. And from what I understand, it seemed like they might have lived together. And he typically didn't just disappear from, like, generally. But if he wasn't home, it typically was like a day or two. It wasn't a long time. And so by March 14th, she is concerned, right? Because this is so unlike him. Yes, understandably. Yeah. And so that's when she files the missing persons report. So remember, the last time she saw him was on the 5th, and then on the 14th, she files her missing persons report. So Jackson law enforcement told her that they were unable to locate Dexter. Before Betterstein called law enforcement, she had a really hard time making the decision to do so. And part of that was because she didn't trust them. And that was because in 2019, an officer slammed her brother, who was 62, to the ground And he died as a result of that altercation. And the officer was later charged with manslaughter. And he's appealing that conviction. But, like, that's her relationship with law enforcement is that they took the life of her brother. Yeah. So I can't even imagine how difficult it must have been for her to go and ask for help from that same institution. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so bad for her family. Of course. So Betterstein files her initial missing persons report and you know, she just has a feeling. So she's like, you know what? I'm going to call again and just check. And that's when she finds out that they had misspelled his name. The most basic of information, rather than Dexter, which is D-E-X-T-E-R, they spelled it as Dester, which is D-E-S-T-E-R. So they're half paying attention to her. They're like barely dialed in. And so she continues to call the police and ask for updates because she's worried. She wants to know where he is. This is not like him. And so she's like, Can you give me updates? She asks them to share his photo with local news for help for finding him. Mm -hmm. And each time she's called, she's told that there's no new information and there's nothing else they can do. She's also searching in nearby abandoned homes to see if he's there for some reason. She's driving around her neighborhood to see if anybody has seen him. Like she's trying to look for him the best she can. Yes. What she later finds out is that just hours after Betterstein had seen her son, On March 5th, he had been struck by a police SUV that was being driven by an off-duty officer when he was crossing nearby Interstate I-55, and this was just a bit before 8 p.m. 
At the scene of the accident, they found a prescription bottle on him with his name. So they knew his name. He was also he also had a wallet. So they clearly knew who he was. They clearly knew who he was. So his missing persons report at that point hadn't been filed. Right. We know that on the 14th it has. So you would think that when they're typing this into whatever system they have, it would show that they found him. So if nothing else, say they were like, we're not going to reach out to her for whatever reason. When she called on the 14th and filed that report, you would think that their records would show that he was involved in an accident and that he was dead. Not that they just didn't have any information when they actually were the exact people who had the information. There was an investigation into the accident that caused his death, which was him being struck by an SUV. And it showed that it was accidental. And yet, Betterstein was not notified about what had happened to her son. So from what we can see about their process, the, there's an investigator with the coroner's office who's like, okay, who is this person? And that's what they're doing. And they ID the victim. They go about their normal-ish coroner proceeding, like procedures. And it is not that person who is going to be doing like long-term follow-up. But so the investigator here was Legrand Elliott. And they're actually the person who found that bottle of prescription medication. And they were able to call the pharmacy to get the next of kin information. Fair. That's, yeah, that seems normal. Makes sense. Just basic investigative work. Elliot then calls Betterstein, who was listed as his next of kin, and leaves a voicemail. Now, Betterstein later confirms that that is her number, but she never received that message. Wonder if he misdialed and then left a horrific message on the wrong answering machine. I would hope that if you got that wrong message, you would reach out and be like, you didn't get it for me. But I mean, I know I will have people leave me voicemails that I do not get. Yeah, well, to be fair, the other day I answered my phone. It was very early in the morning. So I'm like, who the hell is calling me this early? Mm -hmm. It was, I want to say Glendale Police Department. And they're like, how did he answer? He said, is this so-and-so? And I was like, no, who is this? And he's like, this is officer, blah, 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 blah. I'm looking for this or a family member of this person. I was like, I have never heard of this person in my entire life. Why are you calling? Hmm. But and then he he's like, oh, is this? And then he reads the number. And I was like, no. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I called the wrong number. Ugh. Which I mean, like, OK, people make you you dial wrong. But this just feels like a thing where you can't do that. What's also overwhelming in today's age is that like 95 percent of the calls that I get are scam calls. So like when I don't know the number, even if it's a local number, I'm not like, I know what this is. So, but either way, whether he dialed a wrong number, whether for whatever reason, the voicemail didn't show up on her on her phone. Yeah. And it's wild that they didn't go to her house though, too. You would, you would think they would do more than just call. Yeah. But so from that point, after that initial notification, Elliot passes information to local law enforcement who... Their their job is then to continue to try to reach out to the next of kin and to get Dexter's remains claimed, right? Yeah. And so it's it's out of Elliot's hands at this point, right? Like it's not their typical standard procedure to keep doing that. That's fair. Yeah. And yet Elliot kept reaching out to the law enforcement to say, hey, have you been able to get in contact with his family? And each time Elliot calls, there's no update. So it's like the same thing that Betterstein is hearing. Elliot is hearing from within the system. Mm -hmm. Wild. So there was a request to bury Dexter that was approved on April 3rd. And that's after he was marked missing. Yes. Just to put it back out there. Yeah. So we have the 5th of March, which is the day that he is last seen by his mother and the day that he is killed. The 14th, which is the day the missing persons report is filed. 
And then now, once we get to April, it's the third, and they're now, you know, determining what to do with his remains. But he's still not buried right away. He's buried on July 14th at the Hines County Penal Farm. So that's the 14th. Then on August 13th, Betterstein was informed by the law enforcement investigator that was working on Dexter's case that he was retiring and that a new investigator would take over the case. So later that same month, the new investigator calls Betterstein to inform her that Dexter has been found and that they were going to send a police officer out to talk to her, which, again, just tells me they had her address this entire time. They could have went to her. Exactly. But also, like, most pharmacies have an address. So, like, if they had her phone number, they had her address for the next of kin information. Like, mm-hmm. there's ways to find out someone's address. Like, you can look up, like, their driver's license or, like... <laughs> yeah, the emergency contact on the stuff for his prescription, at least. Yeah, exactly. Her address was known. They could have sent an officer out at any point to be like, hey, here you go. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it's when they come out that they inform her that Dexter had died as a result of the injuries he sustained when he was struck by the vehicle as he crossed the highway. And when she asked follow-up questions, they were like, oh, you'll need to reach out to the coroner's office for more information. And I'm like, what is even the point of coming out to her home to be like, here is news. I can offer you no other information. Like, just say it on the phone. Yeah. Come prepared. But just human decency, though. You know a mother is going to ask a bunch of follow-up questions. Of course. So, again, this is after Dexter had been already buried. Mm-hmm. So, Betterfield described Dexter when he was a kid as a sweet little boy who was a natural leader, good with computers, and, very specifically... He dreamed of opening a business to fix up old cars. Yeah. And so as he got older, when he was a teenager, he started getting into trouble. And by 2017, he had served a sentence for armed robbery and then another sentence for attempted auto theft. He also had two daughters. They didn't live local, but he was active in their lives. And throughout this missing persons case, they were aware that he was missing and they were asking their grandmother to like for updates. So like she had to tell them. And that's really sad. Yeah. It appears that some people have suggested that he was not attempting to cross the highway, but rather was trying to take his own life. And the reason why we think this is in part is because Betterstein specifically says he didn't seem like he was in a bad place, but I don't know what happened that particular day. And Payne, who Amanda mentioned earlier, said there was a miscommunication, but there was no malicious intent anywhere in this whole situation. I'm sorry. No, there is a point of recklessness where intent doesn't matter. Right. Exactly. And this is just like a common decency thing, right? Like you're so reckless and have such a callous disregard for these people's lives that it a human. Yeah, it surely seems malicious. Like at what point does indifference become malicious and i think we found it Mm -hmm. but so better scene doesn't seem to buy the official story of what happened and who could fucking blame her one of the reasons that she doesn't necessarily believe this is because when she had last seen him he was traveling on foot and she said it wasn't possible for him to get from their home to the highway by the time that he was allegedly hit and so that's strange yeah and again because no one told her it feels extra bizarre she's finding out five months later that's wild that that doesn't even make sense in my head because no anyone with like human decency would be i need to get a hold of this family to let them know which i understand that's not always the case right like some people are not going to claim Mm -hmm. but in this case when it was like black and white she's looking for him she's asking questions there are police records 
that she is looking for her son. And I, I almost wonder if it's because of the misspelling and they never corrected it or something silly like that, too. It seems like one of the theories that people have is that from what we could see, the Wade family sued the police department for her brother's death. And some people wonder if the handling of this was purposeful, purposeful, or maybe they knew and decided to make her wait as like, I don't know. It's I hate it. Fucking just awful. Yeah. Speaking of awful, Ugh. in order to get Dexter's death certificate and to claim his remains, she had to pay $250. And even worse, it was unclear where his body was in the graveyard. So she finds out that her son is there. The graves are marked with numbers, not names. And she had to wait weeks to find his remains. And, and just to be clear, this is the graveyard I talked about earlier. That's where he was placed. Yes. He's in the what they're calling a pauper's graveyard where there are shallow graves. And mm -hmm. when they were going to exhume Dexter, they had told her what the process would be, which I feel like she's been unable to participate in a grieving process because she wasn't aware of her son's death. Right. And so she like wants to be there when he is exhumed. She wants to be their first son. And so they're like, okay. They're going to exhume him and take him to a funeral home. And that process is going to begin at 1130 a.m. When she gets to the graveyard, someone has already dug him up. And his remains are just in the, the plastic bag sitting there waiting to get picked up. I can't even comprehend how so many people could drop the ball one after another for the same person. I don't know. And his remains have been exhumed at 8 a.m. hours before that they were supposed to have done that. It's then that she sees that he's in this black bag, right? Like they didn't even put him in like a wooden coffin or a box or something like that. This is the first case of this 215 that really got media traction, but there are others that we're going to talk about. So when people were first hearing about this case, they were hearing about Dexter's story in particular. And as people started looking more into it, that's when they realized this 215 number that Amanda mentioned earlier. And then further, it comes out that a subset of that is murder victims from 2023 that the Jackson Police Department didn't release information about. And specifically, it was 24 homicides. So this information comes out and there's this list of people who have died and the circumstances of their death. And it is from that that several people find out that their family member, who they had reported as being missing, was on this list and had died from murder. Just the anger I feel for these families. Intense. Ugh. Outrage. So we are going to talk about another just horrific case associated with this graveyard, and that is the burial of Mario Moore. And Marquita Moore, Mario's sister, learned about his death in October of 2023 when reading about the names of unreleased homicide victims. Can you fucking imagine? The outrage I feel is like, I have no fucking words for the level of like, angry. Yes. Yeah. Devastated. Like, what's the word for this? I don't even know what the word for this is. I don't know. I'm mad. And then like, I'm tearing up at the same time, you know, reading about these because it's just, it's the lack of care right? From like people that people are said to trust, right? Authorities, you're supposed to be able to trust them to help find your loved ones. Or if there is some sort of murder or whatever, they're supposed to help. And in this case, they're fucking it up so much. We talk about missing persons cases so often and how we feel like law enforcement really isn't 
prepared to handle these cases. And we don't think that like, but like there needs to be training on so many things yeah, for police in America, but specifically with missing persons. But this isn't even like just, I don't know how to find a missing person. This is just decency. I don't know what steps to take. I don't know how to find someone who I don't know. If in your head you're like, okay, perhaps more training could help people be found, this isn't even on that level. This is simply and categorically not doing your job. You have all of the information in front of you, and yet you choose willfully to not take action when you could and you should, and this is literally your fucking job. Right, right. And so her brother, Mario, he was 40 when he died. And he actually died on February 2nd of 2023. So he was gone from February. And then she finally figured out in October. It's a long time. And his name was second on that list. Mario had been violently murdered and he had been bludgeoned to death. So even more just heartbreaking. His killer then wrapped his body in a tarp and left Mario in the tarp on the street. And so when they found it, his body was unclaimed. And so he too was buried in the pauper's field. Interestingly, Mario was buried on the same day as Dexter on July 14th. So again, they knew he was dead and his sister didn't know till October. So his whole family didn't know of his death until months later when they saw this list. And Mario's mother, Mary Moore Glenn, said, quote, I never thought that he would leave ahead of me. He's gone away, my baby. And they threw him in a hole like he wasn't nobody, like he wasn't important. Me and my family deserve better than that. And I wholeheartedly agree. It just seems like they weren't taking the basic measures to notify people's families. And there needs to be a change in how they go about this situation because clearly it's not working. Yeah, I mean, it's so clearly just this callous disregard for human life and the grief that remains. One of the good things, and we're not, we're not going to get too, too much into it today, but like this did cause them to change how they handle these procedurally, but it is a little bit too fucking late. Right? Like, it's good that it changed, but not soon enough. Too late, not soon enough, but I also still don't trust it. You know, like, they clearly had some of these names, right? And we're going to talk about another one, too, where clearly their processes don't work that should work already. So them, like, changing the process, I just don't have faith in that, you know? The same people are going to make stupid mistakes over and over again. So a very similar situation happened to the family of Jonathan Hankins. And Jonathan's family was not aware of his death until December of 2023, although he had been reported missing in June. The last time his family had seen him, though, was in May. So they reported him missing about a month later. The Hankins family also found out from a news article, rather than law enforcement, that their loved one had passed. He was last seen at a hotel, and his death was possibly a drug overdose. Gretchen Hankins, Jonathan's mother, checked in with police one to two times every week for updates on her son. So just like Betterstein, they were in contact with police. So it wasn't like police couldn't contact them, right? Yeah. They they should have. They had so many opportunities. There's no excuse. If not reaching out to the families, they could at the very least, when they called, give them accurate information. Correct. Yeah. So his remains had been found on May 23rd. So that's before they filed the missing persons report. So theoretically, when they say, hey, this person's missing, they could have been like, oh, we know where that person is, right? Yeah. So Jonathan's mother said, quote, I want people to know that somebody is not doing their job and making folks go through what I've been through. And 
they can't even do the job of notifying a dead person's next of kin. They probably just thought another drug addict gone. And that's really sad. I fucking hate it. Like, so much. Yeah, that hurts my heart. So in another article, though, she said that it's like they threw them out like trash and that they they did this with others, too. And, you know, I, I'm assuming more are going to come up, right, in the next few months, probably in the same graveyard with very similar stories. At the end of December 2023, the full list of those buried in the pauper's field was finally released. And this blows my mind. There's 687 people on this list. Yeah. So not everybody in that is an unclaimed, unnotified person. So hopefully, right? Because we don't necessarily know. Right, right. But some couldn't afford it or whatever. But at least some of those family members hopefully know what happened and where their loved one is. So Ben Crump, a civil rights attorney, and Dennis Sweet were retained by the Wade, Moore, and Hankins family. Crump and Sweet are calling for all 672 of the burials and notes to be re-reviewed, which fair because clearly they're making a lot of mistakes. One of the most horrific parts of this is that the family members need to pay for their loved one's remains. And again, like, especially for Betterstein, that was the police that killed him. Right? And then they didn't notify her because also, like, they could have made arrangements at a particular place, but now... They're having to pay for it and then also, like, do what they want to do with the body. Yeah, it's not a small expense. Like, I could understand if they were like, oh, to get, like, copies of paperwork, we have to, like, there's procedures we have to do. And, like, that, yeah, that records procedure is always this. But, like, right. oh, hey, we didn't notify you and we're going to make this your problem. Yes. Even more than it already is. Like, I know that you're grieving and we're, we know that you have this extra pain because of us not doing our jobs. What if you gave us $250? Yeah. Like, what? No, that's that's ridiculous. Crump said that his office is getting almost daily calls from families who are missing relatives around Jackson. That's horrific. The people that are calling haven't heard anything after their initial report. And they keep calling the police department, but they're not getting any answers which was the same for these, right? So, I mean, as this continues updating in the media, we'll include this in future True Crime Digests. Yeah, and I mean, in a perfect world, what we're going to hear is so many apologies and better procedures that really spell things out and that it's going to be handled better. But like Amanda said, we're not necessarily too optimistic about that. But at the very least, families will get some closure. Right, and some answers on people who are missing. I really hate the idea that people are having to be proactive to be like, hi, I filed this missing persons report. I know you're bad at your job. Will you please at the very fucking least tell me if they're dead? Right. You shouldn't have to say that. No. Can you check this? Like, it's like, I know how to do your job more. Can you please check this record, this record, and this record for my person that you're clearly not looking for? Again, how fucking bad are you at your job? Which, I mean, you know what they're not checking? Vicap. Vicap, yeah. Because if they were, it would show. Uh, fucking immediately. So they're not entering data in and they're not searching the most basic fucking tool that you could be using to prevent these. Especially considering that one of these was a violent murder. Yes, exactly. Ugh. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, we're going to pivot a little bit because... That's just sad on everyone's soul, right? So in addition to including updates on cases that we cover, 
We sometimes include updates about topics. And last time we talked about a new creature that was found in Antarctica. Terrifying. Today's going to be something completely different. Boy, is it. Boy, is it. And this is actually also our last topic for today. So we're going to end on, honestly, a bizarre note. A silly note. Part of what I'm going to say is in our notes, but I have to, you have to know what I was wrong about that I learned today because I'm sorry, I just did fucking context clues and I don't think I'm the only person who thinks this. But anyway, today we're going to talk about a, a pretty recent viral urban legend and that's whether Sol de Janeiro's butt cream attracts spiders. And I'm laughing because I put butt cream in our notes and amanda in all caps put what cream and i am just saying that okay so it's not this particular variation but there is like there's like two different body butters they have and one of them is called bum bum cream and i'm sorry if it says bum and cream that's butt cream baby (laughs) it makes it sound like you're putting it like on a horrific rash of some kind and oh or like like hemorrhoidal cream yes yes when you call it that that's what i think of no this this is like a lotion and it smells actually amazing the the orange one everyone should smell it when you go to i think sephora or ulta one of the two has it it's at sephora not at ulta because i looked on both for the reviews (laughs) oh did you okay okay i got this in uh BoxyCharm box forever ago, uh, the orange one. I need to be specific now. But it is not just for your ass, Lindsay. It is for on their website. It does say bum bum, but legs, tummy, arms, any for your butt. Anywhere you need a lift for positively glowing skin. But it says do not use on your face, though. Just heads up. Yeah, yeah. But you can use it on your butt. Anyway, okay. (laughs) So Amanda and I, one of the things that we talk about... Why are we bringing this up? Why are we bringing it up? We're existing on TikTok, as one does. Sometimes we get unsolicited spider content now. Or I send her unsolicited spider content. Sometimes. (laughs) She's like, you'll want this. And (laughs) we came across... People talking about whether Sol de Janeiro's butt cream attracts spiders. And there's lots of people who are like, I'm sorry, what? So, like, let's talk about the timeline of events on this urban legend. So we need to say which one it is, though, because it's not the orange one, not their, like, most famous one. It's a different one. I think it's the purple one. It is. I tagged you in it because it was on the deal site recently. And I tagged you in it and put a spider. Yeah, of course it's on fucking sale. They're like, we need need to get this spider cream out of here. Okay, it's the Delicia Drench version, by the way. It's in the purple one. And it does not smell as good as the orange one. But I've seen people say that it does smell really good. But I'm, not, I'm no spider. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're just not a fucking spider. But okay, so we're going to get into the timeline. On December 24th of 2023, Christmas Eve for some, a customer was like, it's time for me to leave my one-star review. So on Sephora... <laughs> They have a a long review. I couldn't find the original long review, but I'm going to read what I'm pretty sure is the review. If you're scared of wolf spiders, watch out for these lotions. LOL. I wanted to love them so bad, but one of the ingredients is like kryptonite to wolf spiders. When I put it on, instantly one will come out. Look, I already cannot fucking handle that they don't know what kryptonite <laughs> is. And it like, like, it, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to need to stop you and correct you because that doesn't make fucking sense. <laughs> that doesn't, no. But like, 
let's if it was that would be a great product to have <laughs> yeah like i was like fuck yeah kryptonite to like spiders like it won't want to be around me like it'll li- lessen their effect on me amazing no this person doesn't know what kryptonite is that's the worst part of this it like it actively i was like i can't stop <laughs> i can't stop thinking about that now but anyway okay continuing with what it says normally i'll see one every like three years use this and it was every day i stopped using it and haven't seen one since Oh, and one time the spider wanted to eat whatever ingredient. <laughs> it was so bad that it chased me. I swear on everything. <laughs> I'd run left. It ran left. I ran right. It ran right. Like it was legit following the scent. And no, the scent isn't that good. Nothing like a $5 vanilla cream can't match. So yeah, <laughs> be careful if you're frightened of spiders, especially the big wolf ones. Also, please don't hurt them if you do wear this and they appear. Use a cup and put them outside. Sorry for a disappointing review. First <laughs> off, I like that they're like, you still don't need to kill them. Like, yeah. even if they're chasing you. Like, I'm sorry. If a fucking spider is in hot pursuit of me. Hot pursuit. I am not going to feel bad about what I must do to protect myself. Oh, my gosh. They just want to eat your body butter. They just want to lick it off. And so, like, okay, the internet, not surprisingly, has fucking feelings about this. Right. They respond. Responded. Yes. And, like, I can't just imagine being like, I'm going to leave this review. No one's going to know, but, like, I'm going to put it on here. Maybe people who are going to buy it are going to read it. And here we are. You know what's funny? I'm on Sephora's website right now trying to look for these reviews. And it says that there's so many reviews, right? It's like this one... And then it shows zero. It's really weird. You have to click around. Yeah, this one says 285. Yeah, you have to click around. I also searched their reviews for the word spiders. And like everything else was like, this doesn't attract spiders. Like it's just this one. But so, okay. December 27th on Reddit, there's this trail about the spider cream, right? And a username, Martin Koala, says that they looked into the ingredients to see if any of them would attract spiders. And they read an article from the Journal of Chemical Ecology. And they're like, okay, I have some insights. And so basically what they say is that there is a, you know, okay, lady spider pheromones, right? Mm -hmm. Those are like, hey, let's get it on, right? That's how they're telling gentlemen spiders it's fucking go time. They're DTF. So... (laughs) look i'm gonna read what it says to you and we're gonna act like we understand fully what this means Mm -hmm. the chemical analysis reveals that i'm gonna butcher these barnacle acetate disabutyl acetate, and satellite and of the spider webs exhibited higher relative abundance in sexually receptive females pronunciation on point I'm fucking spot on. There's no way any of that was wrong. (laughs) Um, Just fucking marbles in my mouth. Okay. But so basically, right, these chemicals, they mimic a lady spider pheromone. Okay. And there were verified, like, instances where they tested this to see if this particular, like, chemical combination would attract the gentleman spiders who were DTF. And it did. Okay, so this is concerning, right? The idea that, like, there's perhaps, like, cosmetic ingredients that, like, when mingled together, make spiders not just, like, want to come near you, but want to sexually come near you. Like, they're not just, like, chasing you. Like, they're chasing you with a purpose. Like, that's way worse. (laughs) That's way worse than just spiders, like, following you. You know what's scary is I was looking because I have 
an area of my closet that I am ashamed of, of all of the beauty stuff <laughs> that I have gotten from like BoxyCharm and all these things that I have not yet opened. Yeah. Shame box. Yeah. Yeah. My shame box. And I was like, I want, I think I have the purple one somewhere. So I was like looking and I did find it. However, I have not used it. So what I want to do maybe in the summer when the spiders come back from hell, when it's not too cold, is leave it outside and see if they run up to it. <laughs> oh, like just take like a, I think you just take like a smear and like put it down and be like, does it, yeah, does it do anything? I mean, look. Yeah. For science. Fucking Amanda over here. Science. Spider. Spider sex scientist. (laughs) (laughs) Business cards. I'm going to have to like put a camera like at the edge of my yard or something um, because I don't want it near the house. Yeah, it's going to be far enough away that it it won't affect you, but also has to be prepared. Like perhaps when we take our trip, Lindsay, I'll bring it for you. (laughs) <laughs> don't worry i'll bring you some when i see you in the next few months fantastic fantastic then on december 29th a cosmetic chemist named javon ford was tagged over 40 times in in just 24 hours and was like okay i'm gonna weigh in he's also he's on tiktok his name is javon ford 16 a treasure and a delight to watch like he can make chemistry interesting wild but so He provided some clarifying information about the study that had been brought up and the assumptions that were made to like for marching koalas like theory to be correct. Right. And he said that first off, the study that was referenced was skull spiders, not wolf spiders. And like, I'm going to be real with you. That doesn't make it less scary. They're equally scary looking. Some sources also say that that type of spider is what a daddy long leg is, which like I just do want to mention. That is the weirdest name for a spider. Is it not like to name a spider? They're like, oh, daddy long legs. Get it. Like, that's what it makes me think of now. Oh, and I'm the, what do you call me? The sexual spider. No, the spider sex scientist. Get it right. A spider sex scientist. And I'm the one. You're the one. Business cards. No, Business I'm just cards. objectifying. That. I am terrified of daddy long legs. There's too much leg. What do they yeah. do with all that leg? Well, you don't think that it's a spider and then it starts fucking moving and, you know, murdering you. What do you think it is? Like, it could be, like, hairs or, like, stuff, like, especially when they're oh. outside, like, if they're in a corner, it could be just, like, yard debris or whatever, and then it starts fucking moving. Debris. Okay. Okay. Well, so Ford talks about the chemicals that were discussed to be able to, like, recreate the pheromone. That Lindsay said perfectly. Yeah. Would need to be the perfect ratio. Okay. We don't know what the ratio of those ingredients in the cream are. Well, I do, but I'm not going to share it. Oh, shit. <laughs> Then, and he also says that one of the chemicals that was mentioned, it might also not even be in the cream. And it's a it's a chemical that's typically used as like a thickening ingredient. Okay. That doesn't mean it's there just because it's a common one. For cosmetics especially, like you don't know every ingredient that's in something. And sometimes it's just like fragrance. And who the fuck knows what fragrance is? Who could know? No. Who could know? And so he also points out, and he includes a screenshot where the original reviewer left review on a conditioner they were using and was like, I think that this attracts spiders. So, like, maybe it's not the products. Maybe, like, <laughs> something about them attracts spiders or they just have a spider infestation. And they're like, what could it be? Could it possibly be everything I'm using in my home or could it be something else? They just have it out for her. Sure. Like, of course, it's this new thing I got. Yeah, they just don't. They just want to get her. Yeah. Or, or they really like her. Yeah. They probably like, excuse me, ma'am. I just need to explain to you what kryptonite is. That's what every spider's trying to do. It's just chasing her, trying to explain like a the car extended warranty. a really basic pop culture reference because it's bothering them. 
But so on December 30th, Sol de Janeiro posted on their Insta stories, all of our products, including our Delicia Drench body butter, <laughs> are free from <laughs> farnesyl acylate, disabutylphylate, the acylate. So while they may attract a lot of attention from people, they won't from arachnids. <laughs> Ashley, call it out. 10 to 10, social media. And so, okay, interesting, right? Like this, I felt like it became like so... Maybe it was just my social media feed, but my social media feed was like, do you think that this lotion is going to make a spider want you? Like, it was everywhere very quickly. And I think that they did a good job of trying to be like, no, 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 no. You don't need to stop buying our products. You're not going to become spider bait. Like, it's fine. And so, of course, we looked to see if there was anything on the internet that talked about, like, fragrance generally attracting bugs. And we found a Reddit thread that was posted long before this urban legend and people reported that various perfumes attracted bees or they angered wasps, which like, okay, I could see that things that smell like fruit or like honey or like floral might attract a bee. But the question the thread asked was, what kind of insects does your perfume attract most? And an unsurprising amount of people said, my ex or men. And I thought just comedy, gold, <laughs> gorgeous. My favorite thing is that TMZ wrote like a whole article on it. Yeah. And the picture that came up has like Sephora in big letters with the spider next to the body butter. <laughs> and they, they ended the article with maybe stay away from this lotion for a bit. Dot, dot, dot. Unless you're a fan of the creepy crawlies. Like, I do love just how the internet was like, <laughs> poor Sol de Janeiro. Let's fucking go. Immediately. 10 out of 10. Love this. As we mentioned... That's our last topic for today. If you have any cases you'd like us to cover, reach out to us in all of the ways that we're going to tell you about in our outro. Um, <laughs> and if you're looking for updates on the Valo case, too, they are coming. Yes, yes. There are updates. There's things happening. We want to have a standalone episode for it. Yeah, yeah. And lastly, we are pretty close to our Patreon night. So we're excited for that. We're going to have more details on our Instagram. If you aren't a member of our Patreon already, you could take a look there. Otherwise, we'll also have the details in our Discord for our Patreon members. Yeah, I enjoyed the ones that we've had in the past. Yeah. We played games. We've just ch chatted. Uh, but it's always a fun time. Yeah. Our Patreon community is a fun time. And I think that it's a cool little social event that's low pressure, which I'm 10 out of 10 for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just get to chill. We'll hang out. We'll talk about things. Um, we're actually going to be voting on what activity we want to do. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We have a few ideas. Yeah. Well, with that, have a great weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes, you, can begin to haunt the dump, guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. 